The Third Men Podcast is a fan-made, not-for-profit, just-for-fun celebration of Jack White and is in no way directly affiliated with Third Man Records or the man himself. For the definitive history of Jack White and his music, please consult your local Jack White. And for everyone else looking for a home, you found one here, in a place so seedy. Enjoy! Podcast. My name is Paul Kaminsky, and I'm your co-host. I'm your other co-host, James Kaminsky. And this is a Jack White podcast where we go through Jack White history and music and songs. And We find the history so you don't have to. <laughs> yeah. That's our tagline. That's our tagline from now on, Paul. We're keeping it. It's what it is. We're going to cram some history right in your brains. <laughs> so watch out. She watched a squirrel storing up nuts for the winter. Today we're going to be talking about a segment of time that gives me hope, James. This, this is a segment of time that gives me hope. Do you know what I'm talking about? Uh... 2008, when Barack H. Hussein, it's important, Obama. (laughs) The first H stood for... No, not 2008. We are going to be discussing the journey Jack White took from the Dead Weather and the Raconteurs and the White Stripes, his band projects, to solo in a show we call Going Solo. Line. Now, this is a segment that gives me a lot of hope here, this this time period, because we're kind of in one of those right now. That sort of weird funk between releases where we're not really sure what the next move is going to be, but there's a lot of weird random stuff coming out, and it's probably going to wind up informing whatever the next record is. Right, we're getting more by the day. We're dying by the drop. <laughs> we're getting a lot of, like, he's doing this thing with... Beyonce now and he's doing this thing over here and he's at this friggin' Cubs game and you know like all this random stuff is happening and we were in a very similar position back in 2010 following the Dead Weathers release Sea of Cowards. Wait, let's jump right into it James. Let's go solo. Let's go solo. <laughs> solo. So we are going to begin with May 11th, 2010. Now, that date is very significant in the Jack White lore, James. Do you know why? I believe it's because they raised the maypole and and danced. Danced around it. (laughs) Am I wrong? (laughs) It was was a laugh riot. (laughs) 
Okay. Well, May 11th, 2010 is actually significant because that's the day Sea of Cowards by the Dead Weather came out. Ah. With the Invisible Man. Yeah. And uh, Old Mary. Full of grease. I don't think I'm alone in saying that album is great. I loved it when it came out. Blue Bud Blues, is, that's one of those songs that when I heard it for the first time, I thought, wow, that's just the coolest thing I've ever heard in my life. It was, I think, a better release, a little more sophisticated release from the Dead Weather's first album. We'll get to a Sea of Cowards show, but this one, we're really talking about, okay, that's the time frame we're dealing with here, sort of turn of the decade. Mm-hmm. The Dead Weather toured on that album from March 17th to August 4th of that year, so not not terribly long of a tour. It started in New Zealand, and it wound up uh, with David Letterman, so go figure. Allison, Allison, what is this? What is this? <laughs> I think it's a kiwi. Uh, man, Allison has my Meg voice. I can't... <laughs> Yeah, they they toured that year. We saw that tour. It was great. One of my favorites. But, you know, shortly following that was Jack White's first solo single, Fly Farm Blues. Now, Fly Farm Blues came out on the It Might Get Loud movie. It was recorded in 10 minutes (laughs) um, a year prior in uh, 2009 during the filming of It Might Get Loud. And it was just Jack on a porch basically singing this really funky kind of tune reminiscent of his roots i think he was in the attic i think he was in an attic oh you may be right i may be getting it confused with the cover which has him sitting on that porch right yeah killer song that is basically ball and a biscuit essentially but very very pared down we'll do an it might get loud show at some point but long story short the that was the single that's technically his first solo single and that was that came out in some form in 2009 and jack released that as a special release for south by southwest in 2010 really cool 45 that has the it has no b-side the back is just an etching of the third man logo which is pretty cool yeah it's one of the first times in that i can recall him using uh, an etching as a gimmick on a record it was mixed by vance powell another common name you see popping up in these in these third man record releases nice and that begins kind of this weird love affair between Jack, Third Man Records, and South by Southwest up until when he actually releases his first solo album. Mm-hmm. It's it's so funny, like, that particular festival really seemed to attract his attention as a record sort of mogul, for lack of a better term. He must have identified that as, you know, it's in Austin, Texas. I mean, he must have identified that as a particular segment of the country's mecca for the kind of music I enjoy. Right. It's the alternative music's Burning Man. As if Burning Man wasn't already alternative (laughs) (laughs) and and you know what it's it's in the south and there's not a whole lot of festivals like that going on in the american south and jack has this affinity with southern america that started earlier the prior decade and you know that kind of brings me to the broader point of this show which is to tell the story of jack white going from a group member to a solo artist is really to tell the story of his journey to nashville he just moved into nashville and integrated so sweetly with uh, with people here I, I, i've never seen that really happen with another major artist to move here it's fucking awesome 
he becomes so steeped in that scene in that crowd of people that all those Detroit influences from earlier kind of there's one or two kind of remain but they sort of blend into the background in Nashville that whole country music kind of scenes really pops up into the fore Uh, and then you know this is actually to exemplify that here's a little bit of Jack talking about coming to Nashville with Wanda Jackson for the uh, Black Cab sessions later on in 2011 I just wanted to live down south I I looked all over the place I looked at Athens, Georgia and uh, and Mississippi and stuff and I I always found myself working in Tennessee all the time Memphis and Nashville that's where the great musicians songwriters that's where you need to be yeah you can find a keyboard player or a horn section and, and, and it's like it's the Memphis horns, or it's the, yeah. it's some incredible steel guitar player who's played on Hank Williams records or something. I mean, you can really, there's just so many people here. Right. All That's these musicians, they never moved away, you know, and they're, they're still playing. Really, I'm not going to go through everything from this point on, but I'm really, I am targeting kind of like when I was looking at research for his journey here, I was targeting sort of the August 2010 through March 2012 timeframe. And boy, for a guy that didn't have any releases between those points, he was really busy. Yeah. A lot of side projects, a lot of weird guest spots on things that you wouldn't expect either. You know, it's hip hop albums and just assorted soundtracks and that sort of stuff. Yeah, I remember at the time thinking when those things were coming out, I was so starved for content for, for New Jack stuff. I was just excited to see these things rolling in, but they were so disparate and he seemed to be just being allowed to be who he wanted to be. <laughs> so he achieved what he wanted to achieve. Anytime I give myself free reign all the time, all the money, whatever, uh, everything in, in front of me, I, I, it is not good for me. It, it, it makes me disinterested you know just we'll we'll talk about this on a later show but you know he played the white house on june 2nd of 2010 and that was as himself so he's trying to get out there as a solo performer and you know maybe it was a little bit like being nervous about getting out there i mean i would imagine that that must have played at least a small role in things because he's been he was part of a group for 15 years he had never really just been jack white well it could be but you know he dipped his toe in the water with cold mountain he knew True. what it was like to be a solo artist. That soundtrack stuff was under Jack White as Jack White. It wasn't under the White Stripes, you know. And it sold well. He probably was comfortable with it, but I feel like he he hadn't found a reason to go solo at this point. Well, that's a good point. Uh, I, I hadn't considered that, be, uh, with the, especially with those soundtracks in the mix. He certainly didn't have an album to his name. You know, I'm not really sure at which point he really started planning on releasing a solo album, but I do know he had tracks ready as early as 2011 he was thinking about, and we'll kind of get to that later. So we'll just go through August of that year here. On August 24th, Third Man released the Conan O'Brien live at Third Man, and and they call me mad recordings, and that's really awesome. I think a future show that we'll be doing will be spotlighting his various friends. It may or may not be called We Are Going to Be Friends, and I may or may not have had that epiphany earlier today. (laughs) Uh, But Jack and Conan were friends for a long time. Conan was one of the people responsible for Jack really becoming a household name, which we talked about a little bit in the television episode. Live at Third Man, it was taped in front of a small audience of 300 fans on June 10th, and it was during O'Brien's, quote, legally prohibited from being funny on television tour. 32 City National Tour... Yes. Yes, I'll do it. Am I in shape? (laughs) Yes, I am. (laughs) It was a very weird time in in TV. I know that. Yeah. 
Yeah, it was during that point where Conan was fired from... From The Tonight Show. And Jay Leno, who previously had retired, saw his ratings tumble and wanted it back. And NBC gave it back to him and fired Conan. And Conan got mad. Yeah, he got mad. And then he went on tour. um, (laughs) And he hung out with his buddies. And one one of which being Jack White. They actually cover Eddie Cochran's 20 Flight Rock together. When I was a young comedy writer and single and had no girlfriend, I just used to go home every night from whatever show I was working on, and I would sit there with the TV on and for six hours straight um, teach myself chords. But what really grabbed me was rockabilly, and it's so visceral. And just like the original train kept a rolling, it was just... It's borderline unpleasant. That's what I... But but I've always been... uh, I don't know. It's, there was some kind of intensity to it. And actually, this is funny because this is one of... Uh, so So Paul McCartney played this song to gain induction into the Beatles. And we are going to actually be playing, referencing another song later in the show that another Beatle played to gain introduction into the Beatles. And both of which occurred during this time frame. Stay tuned. So, suck on that. <laughs> <laughs> Strap on your Beatle wigs, everybody. <laughs> And They Call Me Mad is a seven-inch single from O'Brien's improvised spoken word retelling of the Frankenstein legend, which sounds nothing other than totally awesome. Yeah, it's pretty good. Uh, That's via Spin magazine. And there's an interview that's conducted by Jack on Side B, which is pretty cool. So, all right, so that's the first release going on there. Then we have, on September 3rd, The Secret Sisters put out a single called Big River. Uh, They're a folk singer-songwriter duo in the style of the Everly Brothers from Alabama, Laura and Lydia Rogers. Oh, they released a a single in the the Blue Collection. Yeah, Big River. Oh, okay. Yeah, I I see that single floating around. I actually don't own it yet, but... Jack plays lead guitar and mandolin on this. Oh, wow. Back to mandolin from his previous solo stuff on Cold Mountain. Yes, yeah, and he produces it as well. He produces all of these. And then this is where his friends start to materialize. We start to see Patrick Keeler is on drums, Little Jack is on bass, and then Miss Olivia Jean is on this one. So we're getting a whole slew of people who we thought we wouldn't see any more of. Right. With the exception of Olivia Jean, because we hadn't really known about her yet. Well, we didn't know whether we were going to get another Raconteurs album at this stage in the game, and we still kind of don't know. But I think we were all sort of waiting to see what would happen. What we've wound up seeing is that LJ and Keeler stuck around just on his records for a long time. But Miss Olivia Jean, which we had a show on, she shows up here. She's going to become a real regular face moving forward in this time frame. On September 14th, a special edition multicolored vinyl of Blue Blood Blues by The Dead Weather is released. Uh, So he's putting out a lot of singles here. He's working with a lot of different people. September 21st brings us Karen Elson's The Truth is in the Dirt single. Obviously, as we talked about, Jack's wife at the time, now ex-wife. Is this this the lead-up to her album? This is actually post her album. Her album came out a couple days after the Dead Weather Sea of Cowards album came out. Oh, okay. Nice. So this one is actually backed with a Donovan cover, Season of the Witch. Sure is strange You've got to pick up every stick Oh, 
I love that song. I know. He plays Donovan songs um, with Two Star Tabernacle, which can be heard on the vault release of The Gold Dollar. He plays Hey Jip. Yeah. Oh, really? Huh. Yeah. Uh, so Jack Jack plays drums and produces that. Uh, it's also got LJ on it, who, again, hangs around for a lot of these things. Then on September 26th, we get Jenny and Johnny performing live at Third Man. Third Man Records in Nashville, you know, when he moves down there, he starts hosting all of these groups to come by and play. And then what he does is record those and put them out as live recording releases. And those are all really, really cool because Jack co-mixes usually and produces always all of them. And there are very varying range of people. In this case, Jenny and Johnny, I was listening to them and I was like, oh, they're kind of a cool pop rock duo. They sound a lot like Rilo Kylie. And then I looked them up. Jenny Lewis. Jenny Lewis from Rilo Kylie. I was like, oh, that's why they sound just like Rilo Kylie. Jenny Lewis's solo stuff, if you've never heard it, is excellent. It's really good. I became a fan just researching them a little bit. So he's aligning himself with other artists of the time. This is the first foray we see in this listing of that kind of thing. After that, the Cold War kids stop by and play a set on the 26th, which is cool. Like, all right, fine. (laughs) They also perform later on December, and then both of those were combined to form an album release. To finish out that month, a a group called Tyvek performed. They're like a Detroit punk noise band kind of thing. Yeah, you know, they're pretty neat. I'm assuming their, their band, if it's a noise punk band, is named after the sound Tyvek makes while it's blowing in the wind. Tyvek is a house covering that you you put on a house before you put on siding. (laughs) It's very noisy. I assure you, this joke is very funny. (laughs) Three guys at Home Depot just lost their minds. (laughs) Where my Lowe's crowd at? Hey, he said Tyvek! One of those little chuckleheads say Tyvek, or am I just imagining things? Oh, get Jerry in payloads. Hey, where's my... Hey, where's my blunderbuss? <laughs> so he's keeping some Detroit connections here, even though he's down in Nashville. That's pretty cool. You know, he's, he's making an effort, at least, to rise some of these groups up. But he's also staying very well connected. That's another big portion of this time frame, is that he's really immersed in the Nashville scene. And that's seen by this next release, which was on October 1st. A band named Pujol? Pujol. 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 The single's called Black Rabbit. They are a garage rock band fronted by Daniel Pujol. Consequence of Sound called him a low-fidelity poet, and I would just love to... So, all right, in researching this podcast, I've gotten really fluent in the website for the local newspaper Nashville scene. Oh, good. I love this local paper. I love them. It's funny, because I've gotten really fluent in Consequence of Sound, and I hate them (laughs) If anyone out there works for Consequences Sound, love us, please. I just want to read a quote from this guy, Pujol, from the Nashville Scene interview he did uh, shortly after this release. The algorithm knows that I bought Fritos, so now I'm looking at an advertisement for chili cheese Fritos. I guess I can only choose between not eating Fritos, eating normal Fritos, or trying these chili cheese Fritos, (laughs) says Daniel Pujol. I love this man. The bra- oh. the brains and the name behind local rock and roll outfit Pujol. I mean, I mean, he's right. It's it sounds so profound. Oh, like yes. Yeah. 
this the record is about dealing with you and your identity and how it is separate from you, says Pujol. Culturally, we're encouraged right now to manicure our own identity, to value our identity, to maybe fetishize our own identity, and to try to present this manicured identity like it's real. When you get on Facebook or you get on Gmail, people try to sell you things like... Hold up, Gmail? (laughs) (laughs) Does he say Gmail is a social network? By the way, we're not making fun of Pujol as an artist or anything. This just sounds very funny. It sounds like the kind of guy Jack would love. You know, that's what I was, when I was reading this, he started talking about identity and Fritos. I was like, Jack loves this guy. I know it. So Jack produced and mixed that record. Again, he's finding like-minded individuals in the Nashville scene. So this is, this is another example. Also on October 1st, you know, there's a festival called Next Big Nashville. It's an annual festival of which Third Man participates in, Hmm. which is really, it's really cool. I did not know this. I like the idea of Next Big Nashville, but I think the, I think the fall, like, the the thing that doesn't you know make it bigger than it is is, is like the lack of, of national acts and I think that they got a bunch of national acts like freaking you know David Bazan and RJD2 and like you know bands like that that you know would would never come through Nashville otherwise. Great time seeing bands that I've never seen before. Uh, you know it was a, a realization for me that some of my friends are really talented musicians. It happens, I guess, every year. It's held on a weekend, and it's called by the local paper, again, as a mini South by Southwest. Third Man participated by hosting two of the bigger performances that year. Third Man hosted Jeff the Brotherhood and Jacuzzi Boys. Both shows they recorded for release on a live recording and then were put out the following January on Third Man. This this festival wasn't just the Jacuzzi Boys. Like, there was... They had Yaysayer there, RJD2, and Mickey Echo. So, like... Like, not small acts. So they're hanging out in Nashville doing their thing, and Third Man is playing a part in it. So that's really cool. You know, they're getting involved in the local scene that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, which they need to establish themselves as a part of Nashville. They have sort of have already, but they're continuing to cement that reputation. Yeah, definitely. And Jack is, he doesn't have any releases on the horizon, so he's kind of doing what he wants to do right now. And one of those things is to support local Nashville stuff, which is pretty cool. So then on October 8th, the Greenhorns release uh, the single Saying Goodbye, which would be out on the, on the full-length four-star Greenhorns LP via Third Man the following month. Where's my Greenhorn dogs at? Yeah, let's get them Greenhorn dogs! Ah! <laughs> and the morning zoo continues. <laughs> oh, dear. You could send your hate mail to greenhorndogs at gmail.com. So, James, do you want to know what happened on November 8th, 2010? Speaking of Jack hanging out with his friends during his time off. Boy, do I. I think you might have a clue. Let's play that clue for you. Biggest highlights of my tour last summer was a day I spent hanging out in Nashville with my next guest. James, could you guess now? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I'll give you another hint. We recorded a live album that included the song you're, that uh, we're going to perform for you right now. Is it the sound of silence? <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you another hint. It's a thrill to have this gentleman on our first show. Please welcome our good friend. Mr. Jack. Is it a Conan O'Brien? It is! You did it! Wait. Somewhere 
Do I get a prize? Yes. Self-satisfaction, you say? Yes. Hooray. (laughs) On November 8th, Jack played alongside Conan O'Brien to kick off his new TBS show. Ah, which was? Which was Conan on TBS. But what was the TV show called? Jack and Meg famously helped wrap up Conan's first show. And so to help kick off the Conan show, Jack decided to help his buddy out and show up to play. 20 Flight Rock by Eddie Cochran, uh, as we talked about, also the song that Paul played to get into the Beatles. Neat. Conan sported a Conan guitar strap. Wailed on the guitar, channeled Elvis Presley, this is all via billboard, and meanwhile Jack White rocked an all-black ensemble and the addition of new mustache-goatee combo, also known as a Van Dyke beard, which aged him slightly. (laughs) (laughs) So once again, Jack's out there with his friends, but as a solo artist in 2010, so he's kind of stepping out there on his own a little bit these days. Yeah, I do like the inclusion of the facial hair bit because it's definitely helping our podcast, our secondary (laughs) spinoff podcast about Jack White's facial hair. So that happened then, and then on November 9th, the Laura Marling Blues Run the Game singles released by Third Man. Laura Marling, if you're not familiar, she's a British folk singer. She never really took off over here, but she had won some Brit Award prizes for female solo artists, and this was recorded the prior May, but you know, it's really, it's a tight single, and it's backed with a Neil Young cover, The Needle and the Damage Done. I actually found this one in a dollar bin at Amoeba and was very happy I did because it's a really awesome single. And let's just hear a little bit of that. Got your boat to England, baby, maybe to Spain. Wherever I've gone, wherever I've been and gone, wherever I have gone, the blues run the game. She is another artist under the Virgin Records umbrella, and I'm not sure if that's how they met. I have to believe no, just because whenever he talks about these other artists coming in to record songs, it's always like, oh yeah, they they just sort of happened. Yeah, so you know, were in the area and they knew that it was a recording studio and decided to stop in or something like that. Yeah. Right. Also on November the 9th, Third Man released the Greenhorns album, Four Stars. Where's the Greenhorn box uh, at? And you know, there's no Jack White direct involvement I could find on this record, but Brendan Benson Brendan. did additional production and recording, and that's like three-fourths of the Tours. Yeah, that's more than the Tours album. <laughs> the Reckon Threeers. <laughs> and lastly, in November here, we have the Thornbills' Uncle Andre single released. These guys are Michigan cousins, Jim Wingle III and Tamara Finlay, and they are they form the group The Thornbills. This is via the Third Man website, by the way. Both ethereal and existential, these two harmonize prose with a unique and saturated aesthetic. Can I just say, I love whoever they hired as a copy artist because it is tight it is well well done i bet you it's just jack there (laughs) typing away on a typewriter hey swank where the hell's my laptop what do you want one of them black gadgets (laughs) jack plays drums on this one and produces it and it also features lj 
So Jack, little Jack plays on tons of these things, by the way. Yeah, I guess he just did. He just up and move down to Nashville. I want to say probably because he's on a ton of these, and we know Olivia did, which we talked about on our Olivia Jean episode. When Jack called her, he's basically like Olivia. I want you to come uproot your life and move down to Nashville, Tennessee, and live in a house with another woman. Okay, Jack. Which I w- <laughs> <laughs> you got it, Jack. Very good. <laughs> Am I going to be bothered every five seconds, Jack? December 2010, we have Reggie Watts performs at Third Band Records. Nice. Which is really cool. So Jack's doing like a stand-up comedy thing as well. Mm-hmm. Is he? Got a, yeah, he's got a bunch <laughs> of those releases. Is he getting up there on stage? Is he doing a set? <laughs> those are a different color, right? Those are like... Wait, oh, yeah, not... there's the green series and then there's the blue series. Uh, right. I think Reggie might be alive at Third Man Records series, though, which is yes um, the full 12-inch record. I think you might be right about that. That that would be released the following March, produced by Jack. And then uh, we talked about it earlier in the show, the Cold War Kids come back on December 12th. Other 2010 releases of note, the Dex Romweber duo, that's the Flat Duo Jets guy. Oh. Dex Romweber. Awesome. Yeah, that's, yeah, and that's that, a badass name. Yeah, and it's so great that Jack got to connect with his sort of childhood hero and actually do records and record with him. It's a great single if you never heard it, and the Flat Duo Jets are also awesome. We will do a show on Jack Influences, which will cover Flat Duo Jets. But again, this builds that narrative of Jack is like, doing his thing during this time and like taking the opportunity to not only perform with his friends and make records with artists he admire but also like his childhood heroes you know yeah definitely well james that brings us to 2011 and you know what that means uh no it's the the year before wait it's It's the penultimate year of Barack Obama. (laughs) James, I don't know about you, but I'm feeling a little raunchy. No, I'm, you know, I had a full lunch. I, I'm pretty full. I what do you think raunchy <laughs> <laughs> It's definitely not hungry. Oh, I thought you were saying ranchy. Wanda Jackson releases via Third Man Records, The Party Ain't Over. And what you just heard was Jack White and basically the Peacocks doing raunchy with Wanda Jackson, which was the song that George Harrison played to audition for the Beatles. Oh, really? Yes. That's awesome. The Wanda Jackson record, if you haven't heard it, is so good. She is the, what do do we call it? The queen of rock and roll. Yes, that's what we called her. (laughs) 
Yeah. We refuse <laughs> well, to take it back. This album is just jam-packed full of third band record family members. You call them Jackalites. Jack himself is all over this thing. Jack plays electric bass on Shaking All Over, which nice. was a single. It's great. It's a great tune. Mm-hmm. Uh, he plays electric guitar and acoustic guitar on Like a Baby. He plays electric guitar on Teach Me Tonight. Okay. And he plays acoustic guitar and tambourine underfoot on Blue Yodel number six. Ooh. Better than Blue Yodel number one through five. <laughs> yes. Uh, also on this album, we have featured Olivia Jean, Patrick Keeler, Joe Gillis, Jack's brother, LJ again, Jack Lawrence, Jackson Smith, The Cherry Sisters, Justin Carpenter, I don't know who some of them are, Craig Swift, Ashley Monroe, Carl Bromwell, Leif Shires, and then a couple of names that are kind of familiar. We have Dominic Davis, hey. also on this record. Nice. And Karen Elson oh, also hey. appears on the record. Now, Dominic Davis and Olivia Jean show up in the later Blunderbuss era. So we're kind of seeing his group of essentials glom together. Later on in this month, when we get to it, we'll start to see a couple more of those faces join the fold. But let's let's play a little bit of You Know I'm No Good. Wanda Jackson with Jack White and his band covering Amy Winehouse. Wow, nice. Is um, Pretty... is Thunder on the Mountain on this one, or is that a yes. release? That's Love a great that one, yeah. When we talk about this time period, I remember seeing that video pop up. I remember thinking, oh my god, do Jack White, because that was great. It's a really cool video, and I knew Thunder on the Mountain, because that's an awesome Dylan tune. That's exactly how I felt, too, because I was getting a lot of this, same like you were saying, through Google Alerts and through you texting me going, oh, my God, do Jack stuff. <laughs> and um, Mike, 10 days later, going, guys, did you hear this? Like, <laughs> we love you, Mike. We love you, Mike. We're just a little more freakish than you. So this charted at number 17 on the top rock albums charts, which is really cool. That's pretty good. I had no idea. That's how we start our month there. On the 11th, Third Man releases a group called Dungeon has a song called Oga Nasa Moon, produced by Jack. Third Man Records website calls them Sweden's best psych makers. Are we sure he wasn't just Manchurian candidating somebody? (laughs) So now we're back to Wanda Jackson land. Uh, Wanda and her band, including Jack, played the Grand Old Opry on January 15th. So that yeah, must have Jack's... been a big deal for him. Yes, it, it, and this is the Ryman Auditorium. We went there when we were kids, but I, I don't remember actually seeing this auditorium. But that means, you know, Jack's playing live. And another member of the solo crew pops up here. James, do you want to guess which member of either the Buzzards or the Peacocks shows up during this performance? I'm going to guess and I'm going to hope that it's Miss Lily May Rishi. You would be wrong, but very close. Very close. Another one he duets with 
Ruby Imanfu. Ruby Amanfu famously duets with Jack on Love Interruption. So yeah, Ruby's there. So now we're starting to coalesce these bands here. It's pretty cool. On January 18th, we get First Aid Kit releases a single called Universal Soldier on Third Man. Universal Soldier being a Donovan song. The universe, It's all like, it's a big anti-war song. It was one of his big singles, actually. Let's play some of that original Donovan. He's five foot two and he's six feet four. He fights with missiles and with spears. He's all of 31 and he's only 17. He's been a soldier for a thousand years. Oh, that was some hot Donovan track. And by hot Donovan track, you mean a really depressing song about, <laughs> about soldiers going to war. I love First Aid Kit. You may remember uh, them popping up on the podcast during the Halloween episode. They were at the Third Man Records Devil's Night celebration in 2014, in which one of them was hit in the face by a peacock feather as that's they right. left the... Yes, that's right. Uh, so this one was produced by Jack and then features yet another familiar face from the touring groups. James, do you want to guess which familiar face pops up on First Aid Kit's Universal Soldier single? I'll give you a hint. It's a he... And he starts showing up everywhere from pretty much here on out. Oh, man. Uh, I'm going to guess it's Fats Kaplan. You are correct, sir. Yes. It is Mr. Fats Kaplan, your oh. friend and mine. Nice. So on January the 18th, Jack plays another gig with Wanda Jackson, this time live at Third Man Records. This was released in a vault package later in that year. Mm-hmm. Available today on Vault Monday. Jack also joins Wanda for another live gig on the 20th on the David Letterman Show. Oh, nice. Our next guest is a true rock and roll pioneer who has come to be known as the Queen of Rockabilly. Her forthcoming album is entitled The Party Ain't Over. Please welcome, with special guest Jack White, Wanda Jackson. Ladies and gentlemen... Olivia Jean and Ruby Amanfu are both there. Now, the cool thing about this one is Letterman at the end is like super into it. Oh my God! Holy crap! Whoa! Who was doing that? Oh my God, Jack! Oh my goodness! Wasn't that tremendous? Can you believe it? Can you believe it? 
And Wanda Jackson's looking, and you know, she's an older lady. And I don't know if she, I, she may be a little insecure because she, she just kept looking at him like, no, I can't. I can't believe it. <laughs> and she's looking at him like really concerned as he's saying this. And he's like, I'd like a little more. Can we get a little more here, Paula? And Wanda looks visibly surprised. <laughs> and then the band kicks up again. Wanda's like, okay, I guess we're doing it. And then from here on the next the next times they play, Wanda references how into the song they're about to play David Letterman was. Obviously David Letterman's enthusiasm over her song left an impression with Wanda Jackson. David Letterman <sighs> for all those young kids out there who don't know who he is because he's retired now he was a late night tv host we all kind of worshipped for some reason and we've all forgotten about now yeah (laughs) he's dead to he's dead to all of us so to finish out january the drive-by truckers perform live at third man and they released the live record of that later that year so obviously very active back at third man records even though jack is sort of hopping around on these various gigs with uh, wanda jackson during this time in february on the 11th this guy named jerry king releases a single called the auctioneer produced by jack and it's part of the green series spoken word instructional stuff So Third Man, in addition to, like, comedy and music, also produces these instructional spoken word singles. And this guy is a guy named Jerry King, and he's interviewed by Jack, and they discuss how to auction cars, etc. Ooh. It's super weird. (laughs) I mean, it's definitely very, very Third Man Records. It's very Third Man Records. Yes, indeed. And then we have another spoken word series later that month. Jack was obviously very into that in the month of February. Amy Walker has something called Discourse on Accents. Again, produced by Jack. Side B is an interview by Jack discussing accents and how they are perceived in different societies and social experiences. I've heard him talk about specifically the auctioneer stuff is that he was trying to capture sounds of not necessarily dying arts, but these vocal arts that aren't necessarily considered music oh that's Um, cool yeah so i know he was trying to do that and the five six seven eights perform also at third man and released a single called shoujo g the hungry raccoon that he was (laughs) on march the first a group called davila 666 also they play live there on march the 6th and um that that live release is released later in the year so then on uh on march 16th Again, we return to Jack's love affair with South by Southwest, okay? This is another one of those times when I saw the video of what we're about to play during that 2011 kind of time period where I thought, oh, wow, cool, Jack's being active again. And this was another big hint of things to come for his solo years. Let's play a little bit. So so they roll up to South by Southwest. They set up shop to sell records, but they also do a live performance in a parking lot. This is Jack White doing Dead Leaves in the Dirty Ground. Let's play one more for you. We got a C6 team is coming to play here next, and uh, we got an announcement. He's just signed a Third Man Records for one deal. We have a one record deal. He signed the desk in my uh, the contract is he signed the desk in my office. <laughs> the black marker. So let's play one more song. We'll bring Steve up. Dead 
also plays uh, Buddy Holly to not fade away at this performance. But the fact that he played Dead Leaves on the Dirty Ground at the time, I remember thinking like, oh, wow, cool. He's playing White Stripe songs again because we hadn't heard that in a minute, you know? And so this was really a hint of things to come because we would obviously see him trot out all these White Stripe songs again on his solo tour the following year. That's right. It was very much when he's with the Tours and he's with the Dead Weather, it's always playing that band's material. And we hadn't seen him deviate from that before. So interesting. And this also debuts the hairstyle that he would wear during his blunderbuss and some of the Lazaretto era kind of short, kind of feathered thing with the very long sideburns on the side. Mm -hmm. Like, his look here is exactly the same look as on the Blunderbuss record. So we're seeing the transformation start to take place. We're we're seeing the familiar faces start to pop up. Now we're seeing his face look more familiar. The Van Dyke is gone. And then there was another performance that day. Oh, with with one seasick Steve. Yes. Who is great, by the way. Yeah, it kind of took me by surprise. I wasn't really expecting that, actually. Yeah, me neither. With a name like C6 Steve, I was expecting <laughs> sea shanties, but no, yeah. he, was, he was good. Uh, let's play a little bit of uh, C6 Steve's performance. This guitar got three strings on it. Cut my wing, y'all. Shot me down, I cannot fly. performance is hilarious because the audio keeps cutting out like every five seconds because whatever equipment they were using to amplify the mic and the guitar kept just breaking down they should have really stopped breaking down but c6 steve just rolls with it and starts like getting up into the crowd and chanting along and he's wearing these like overalls he's got this huge beard and he looks homeless and it's amazing the set was unfortunately cut off by angry parking lot attendants who lost their patience with the overflowing crowd oh very good thanks south by southwest uh the rolling record store did hang out there until the 20th though that's good hey paul yeah james you know what they wear at south by southwest what do they wear at south by southwest james well these kids they wear all kinds of tattered clothing and some could call them rags you would uh i'm not sure if i would actually call them rags you know i think i feel like that's kind of demeaning to their state of uh, income and uh, i think it's a rag and bone rag and bone uh james you've transitioned beautifully into oh that's what i call a pivot in this business <laughs> um, rag and bone is the portion of the show where we talk about kind of the funny little you know chuckles the funny little rags and bones we found while doing our research for the episode right the weird the unusual i gotta watch for the weird and unusual the funny perhaps all of the pretty the pretty little of rags and bones um, Maybe you don't want them. Maybe so you do. This, but here they are. Yeah. You're going to have them. You're going to take them. If you want them or not, they're getting shoved at you right now. Look at all this stuff. So this week's Rag and Bone is a mini Rag and Bone. I call it like one of those little cocktail wiener Rag and Bones, you know? It's a, it's a cocktail wiener bone. <laughs> it's a little toe bone. 
<laughs> it's a toe bone, a rag and toe bone. This is just a funny little thing. So, you know, James, you and I have made several jokes throughout this episode and the next one about Jack White's feelings about people's cell phones and other assorted paraphernalia. James, uh, what, do you, what do you call them? What, do you, what, uh, what, what does he call them? I, I believe he calls them a black gadget. Ah, yes, black gadget in your hand is all she thinks about. James and I like to poke fun at Jack White calling these things black gadgets because that's kind of a funny, weird thing that he does. And James, I think I found what I believe to be, and I base this on absolutely nothing, the first appearance of Jack White accosting an audience for having black gadgets in their hands. Oh, man. Please, go on. Remember this episode we talked about South by Southwest? That's right. Uh, how could you forget with your lovely transition earlier? So uh, in that performance, Jack White takes the, quote, stage. And by stage, I mean, you know, they're playing in a parking lot outside of the Rolling Records store amongst an assorted group of ragtag attendees. Uh, you might call them rag and bone tag attendees mm-hmm. who had yep. coalesced outside of the Rolling Records store. Anyway, long story short, you know, Jack sort of introduces himself. He comes out, he plays a song. He does uh, two songs we talked about, Dead Leaves on the Dirty Ground. And then he plays Not Fade Away. So uh, Not Fade Away, you may remember the Buddy Holly cover that we opened this show with. Now, before he does that, he gives a little speech to the audience. Let's listen to that. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for coming out. I want to introduce to you, with no further ado, Third Man Records recording artist, Jack White. I'm a Third Man recording artist now, Swing. Okay, so so far, so good. The speech is going along pretty well. It was a fantastic speech, Paul. I loved it. I loved every second of it. Thank you very much. And then we get this little nugget. So, everybody feel okay? There's more black edges in their faces, but... Let's do a Texas song, right? Jack White calls out everybody for only seeing black gadgets and not faces. Jack has hit the epitome of old. (laughs) Yeah, which is crazy because, like, you know, this is kind of a special cool event. And so all these people are just trying to capture this thing that they're a part of. But Jack, as we know, is very anti-phones and recording paraphernalia at shows. He wants you to experience it as you, James, you might say, in the meat space. That's right. I don't want anybody to think that I'm bad-mouthing him for this, because he's got his own reasons. I get it. You know, live life in the moment. Take that black gadget and take it out of your hand. (laughs) Yeah, you know, he's got an old man stoop sometimes he sits on and shouts upon and uh, the rest of the world with, and that this is one of them. So this is the first appearance of black gadgets in your hand, and take them away from your hand. (laughs) And and put some bones in them hands. Bullseye! Nope, don't do that. (laughs) In the next episode, you're going to hear yet another reference to this, so stay tuned, true believers. But for now, that is this week's Rag and Bone. Rag and Bone. So now we have really covered a lot of what we're going to be going over on the first part of this solo show, and what we're going to do now is kick it to our third woman for this week. Welcome to our third woman this week, Clara from the Jack White Hub. Clara, so nice to have you with us. 
so much for having me. Yeah, it's a pleasure to have you. Clara is the founder of the Jack White Hub on Twitter, and it's a really awesome fan Twitter. Do you want to tell us a little bit about it? We've been really going strong for two years, and um, we've got over 2,000 Facebook fans, 700 Facebook followers, and it got so much me that we actually dropped out of Tumblr. Oh, wow. Nice. <laughs> that that's really awesome. That's a that's a that's a really hefty chunk of the fan base there. That's a sizable number. Yeah, and um, my Canadian admin Leslie and I do a lot of the admining because uh-huh. um, Nova's been pretty busy lately at college. So oh, okay. we, do, we do stuff like caption contests. We did a tour art poster contest early this year, and it was basically design your own um, contest poster of any of Jack. Project and oh, nice. the top prize was a $50 and then record gift voucher. Oh, wow. sweet. That's awesome. Uh, what what show won? It was a the white, it was a poster for the White Stripes. Oh, sweet. And we got our fans to decide the winner by um, writing in like class one and that. Awesome. That's really cool. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. So today uh, we're discussing uh, on the show, we're going over the going solo transition from Jack White as a member of groups, the White Stripes, Raconteurs, Dead Weather, to his debut as a solo artist. And James is going to talk to us a little bit about the sort of last vestige of the Sea of Cowards era Dead Weather here as we start to move into the Blunderbuss era. Right, right. It's at the tail end of the Sea of Cowards era, Jack and Alice had written a song called Rolling In on a Burning Tire. Have you heard of this, Star? Yes, the, the song that was on the Twilight soundtrack. <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, Alas, Twilight. The moon is always full for us. The road is always clear. That's not what you want to hear. One is born, so one can die, you must wait a real long time, that's more you can bear, and the days will come and go, and the band will march along, till the day you cast a shadow, and there's nothing left. I know that because Muse was also on it, and that's how I found out on Twilight. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Wasn't the the debut of that song on that soundtrack too? Yes, and it's soundtrack strictly to that song too. Like you go to the iTunes and you only purchase the album, not the individual song. Huh. Well, that gotcha. I didn't know. That's kind of annoying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, um, and that's so far. That, that's this is 2011, right, James? 2010. Yeah. Okay. It's, um, it's May of 2010. It's written. Real quick, I saw was... Muse live that year. Oh, really? Uh, awesome. I saw that tour. I, I saw him with Metric at Nassau Coliseum in New York. In uh, yeah, in, in in Long Island. Yeah. Oh, nice. It was a good tour. Um, anyway, go on. Sorry. Yes. Uh, they'd written this song, Jack and Allison, and so I learned from the Chicagoist how it came to be uh, with an interview with Allison Mosshart. They were asked to put this song on the Twilight soundtrack, and how it came to be was they were basically asked to put it on there, and Allison has been quoted as saying, they were in a studio in Nashville at the time, recording Sea of Cowards, and Rolling In on a Burning Tire was going to be the last track on the album. <laughs> they were going to use it, but it, it didn't feel quite right and they were going to chop it from the album wait 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 i'm gonna i have to stop you right there so they didn't feel that would be quite right but old narrative (laughs) full of grease your heart stops within 
that was quite right. Well, I'm sure that's I'm sure that's a bit of Jack's influence on that one. <laughs> I'm kind of happy that okay. I have a confession to make. I'm kind of happy that got cut off. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I mean, it's- sea of Cowards is my favorite Jack project. Oh, nice. Oh, nice. We'll have to have you back for the Sea of Cowards show later on uh, when we go to deep dive into that one. I love that album, too. I felt like Dodge and Burn was also very, very good, but I thought Sea of Cowards was like a great step up from Whorehound, even though I liked Whorehound. You know, I thought it was a great progression for that group. I wasn't a fan of Whorehound, to be honest, just as an album mm-hmm, yeah. as a whole. I think they really... Get up to the mark for Sea of Cowards. Yeah, yeah, a lot more Jack on there too with Sea of Cowards, which I like. Blue Blood Blues is one of my favorite songs of all time. So yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, I was glued to my my laptop when they were doing the the live broadcast reveal of the album via a turntable at Third Man Records. They had a like oh, a live stream right. of it. I remember yeah. that. Yeah, I was watching that at work. So anyway, the Dead Weather were approached to submit a song to Twilight. And they said it seemed like the right track for it. We submitted it, and they said they wanted it exclusively. So we recorded another track to take its place in the album. I saw the film, though, and I had to see how they used the music, and they chopped the hell out of it. It sounded like they used every bit of the song and spun it down to 10 seconds. I can't say I exactly recognized it. Well, I think I think it's really ironic because for it to be exclusive for Twilight, I call BS. Mm-hmm. Because when you look at the other songs on Twilight that have been released exclusively as singles, such as Muses mm-hmm. and Trump's Dark Illusion, that was released as a single. And that was exclusive mm-hmm. for Twilight. Like, why can't they do what music? Yeah, that does strike me as odd, actually. You know, you think Jack usually is pretty good about maintaining control in that way. I wonder if he just deemed it not strong enough for a single release. Do you know if it ever came out on like a 45? I don't think it did. No. Not that I'm uh, aware. Def- I mean, maybe for a future, maybe for a future vault. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. I'd say here's hoping, but eh, it's fine. I don't. I'd rather a song I haven't heard before. Well, judging by all the political posts, that man's records have been making right. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. It's it's been a fun <laughs> thank couple you. days. Yeah. Thank you for reminding us. Thanks. It's like <laughs> it was a beautiful train wreck. Uh, we're on behalf as as ambassadors to the world, we would like to apologize. We are so sorry. These next four years are gonna be crazy. Can I just say that I really like the main record? I agree. Yeah. I get. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's. it's I, and, uh, oh, it's and I saw. And soul I, of music. It is. I, I saw one of the bumper stickers, the Icky Trump. I was telling James on my way home from work today. I saw one on the street. Whoa! Nice. That's awesome. <laughs> I don't have any video, so it's the shirt. She's wearing the shirt. Oh wait! It finally gave me an option to look at the video. Wait, I just, oh, yeah. there we go. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That's I sweet. have the bumper sticker awesome. in the other room. Yeah, I sent that to James along with Dwight Yoakam. My child took my pump. My child oh. took my pump sticker oh. and put it on her doll. Well, well good. <laughs> that were to the people. That's, that's adorable and a striking political stance on that doll's behalf. She 
that you like. I can't argue uh, with that. <laughs> oh, sorry. sorry, brother. Uh, not fine. at all. Feel free to derail. We're, we're all for yeah. it. So Allison was asked by the Chicagoist, candidly, I might add, when a band like yours that prides itself in a sense of personal creative integrity is asked to put a song on a commercially successful film soundtrack geared to, well, let's be honest, tweens looking for a hot vampire boy toy, how does that account into your divergent needs to be true to yourself creatively and commercially viable? Which is kind of a rough <laughs> question to ask, kind of point blank. Yeah, yeah. Um, hey, he, he's like, hey, hey, why are you such a sellout? <laughs> Yeah, kind of. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. I, admit, I admit, I have watched all the Twilight movies because sometimes <laughs> the station here has got uh-huh. nothing else better to do than like marathon of Twilight. Okay. <laughs> I only watch it for the news. You don't have to make apologies. That's cool. That's cool. And I can tell you now, they did not get rid of song in the movie. Um, I believe it. Yeah. It's it's too much for that young that young audience. I watched those movies. We were staying in the town from that book series, that place in Washington, because my wife has family there. And so the whole town is all about Twilight. It's just like this Twilight town. So we watched all the movies. Were there lots of Twi moms there? I don't know about Twi moms, but there were sure a lot of Twi tourists. Um, <laughs> and so we, I watched them all when we were there. And as I, I, when we started them, I was like, yeah, yeah, all right. And by movie four, I was like, tell me more. <laughs> um, Taylor Lautner, take me from your shark boy past into this <laughs> wonderful wolf boy future. In order to understand the bat... We must first understand the vampire. So I watched Interview with the Vampire. Anyway, we digress, but... Um, but yeah, Allison was quick on her feet and answered, Well, no one plays anything on the radio, and no one buys records. Which, I mean, this is 2010, so I guess it hasn't picked up speed yet. And she said, The music business is going down the f***ing drain. We can fix that. <laughs> so you gotta be a little bit more open-minded. I'm okay with tweens hearing our music, however they get to hear it. I got into music pulling cassette tapes out of used cars my dad was selling. It doesn't matter how you find your favorite band, does it? So it looked wow. like she got a little aggressive. I love Alison Mosshart so much. I love her too. Yeah, she's like Robert Plant up there. She's like doing the moves like i thought the dead she was like hamming it up for the dead weather she is not she is like on you know she's amazing i did make an ass out of myself by shouting in the audience you're the only sour cherry on my fruit stand (laughs) oh james it's okay non-third man records related Mm-hmm. Um, I went to Soundwave a few years ago, and it's a massive alternative metal festival, and Stone Sour was there. Mm-hmm. Sweet. And I'm a huge Corey Taylor fan. And it was just when the guys took a small pause from the set, I yelled at my <laughs> voice, <laughs> Lena, I Corey. He heard me. He smiled and turned away. <laughs> Well, I'll tell you, everybody in the Kills audience stopped what they were doing and looked at me with a glare. So it was a little less receptive. And then there was that one time, James, that you and I shouted at Brendan Benson from about a foot away for him to play Let Me Roll It at a show. And he he was like looking at us the whole show was like, stop telling me to play that. And James and I just kept like, play Let Me Roll It. Just play this song. Yeah. And he fucking played it. Well, he played it begrudgingly because his drummer started the beat, but like as a joke. And then the bassist got in on it and started playing more of Let Me Roll It. And then Brendan kind of had to play the guitar lick. Let me roll it. Thank you very much. Let me roll it. Huh? Huh? Get some wings covered then. Yeah! 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 
So we played like uh, it was real. It was real embarrassing. Yeah. yeah, it's on it's on YouTube. Don't look it up because we seem like the biggest jackasses on earth. Oh God! It's, it's just because we love Brendan so much. You know? Get up there. Yeah, and I'm not kidding. Anyway. I was in front of him that whole show. Like the stage was was the the only thing in front of me was the stage, and then Brendan. And it was oh man, I'm yeah. it's a moment I regret and. I'm very happy I was there for. <laughs> right. And a lo- at least all of the YouTube audience is yelling at me, saying, who are those douchebags yelling at Brent? <laughs> um, that was us. We're the douchebags. <laughs> we're those douchebags. All right, let's 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 get this rolling t- tire back on track. Um, <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, track in a fire. Um, it's yeah. still on fire. We're It's burning. It's burning down. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> So it was released on the Twilight Eclipse soundtrack. It was released by Atlantic Records on June 8th, 2010. And it was revealed on, and this is a sign of the times, it was revealed on MySpace, of all things. Wow. The track listing was touted on May 12th, every hour they released one track name. Yeah. Uh, Mashable said in a press release, MySpace, while largely derided by the tech set, is still a popular destination among many demographics and verticals, particularly for musicians. What do they mean by verticals? Like alive people? I think it's a marketing term. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. The... Yeah. Chop Shop Music, who is one of the producers of the album, said, It's been such a privilege to work on the Twilight Saga Eclipse with such a creative, innovative talent. The soundtrack is our best example to date of our unique combination of major acts that are world-renowned and wonderful new discoveries for many people. We feel our Twilighters have the, another great musical experience. They're not wrong. Like, there's some good songs going on there, so, you know. Yeah. It debuted at number two on the U.S. Billboard charts and sold 146,000 copies, so, you know, for... A soundtrack album? Not so bad. The reception was, uh, you know, I'd say lukewarm to good. All music had said, meanwhile, the dead weather's rolling in on a burning tire brings actual gothic darkness to twilight with its slow-burning groove and sinister organ. And Drowned in Sound said, the dead weather provide a sinister gold dust woman-inspired take on teenage makeout music. So. <laughs> There's always one thing my friend has always noted to me. During his, his early dead weather stage, Jack got to find home for his hair. Yeah. His hair is an interesting mess uh, that I love. And now it's like, trying to grow it back, and it just looks like a short, silly mess. So that was rolling I, I, on a burning tire. Yeah, yeah. you know, I want to just say, I, I remember hearing that this was coming out at the time and not listening to it, actually. Not by sort of choice, but just because, like Claire was saying, like it was only available on the soundtrack, and I didn't have the soundtrack. And I was like, I don't know if I want to buy the whole thing for that song. And I, I think these days I would probably choose to do that, but back then I was I was a little less... I have to get everything kind of thing. And I so yeah. I got it a few years later and listened to it. I thought, yeah, it's okay. You know, I thought of the tracks on Sea of Cowards, I thought it was sort of maybe a little more forgettable than some of those. Although I would be very curious to know what song they recorded to fill the hole, unless that was Old Mary. Hole of Grease. But I, I guess we'll never know. I don't know. I'll tell you a really funny story. I was home alone one day, and then old Mary came on. And you know how Jack talks at the very beginning of it? I totally freaked out, and thinking someone was in the freaking house with me. <laughs> Your heart stops with it. Yeah, you'd have an exorcism situation going on. Somebody call a priest, get him in there. <laughs> it's me, your friend, Jack White. 
Yeah. I'm well, old Mary. I'm full of grease. This is another key sort of step here in sort of closing that chapter of, of the dead weather and moving on. But, you know, he's for a guy who took these this year off, he's being real busy. You know, like this came out. We, we talked about all those other projects that came out that year. So I think it's pretty cool that, that we got this little last sort of coda of the dead weather before they sort of were shelved for the time being. And honestly, I don't know if they're I don't know if they're coming back. I always interpreted Dodge and Burn as kind of like this promise that made to themselves that they had to fulfill it seemed a little more forced than organic just because the the solo stuff had come before it but i hope it comes back like they took the extra mile with the impossible winner film clip i really enjoyed True. that because they were easy yeah. you had to look for yes yeah i love that video i love it it's the, so good both that video and that song are amazing yeah and some of my favorite dead weather material of all time is is that that and Mile Markers, which I know Mile Markers was written as a scrap for Sea of Cowards. I think that's about going to do it for us on this segment, but we want to thank you again, Clara, for joining us. Is there anything you'd like to plug on the show? I'll shamelessly plug the Jack White Hub one more time. Of course. Twitter on Facebook.com forward slash Jack White Hub. We've actually got Instagram too. Yeah, just look for the Jack White Hub on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We do contests, we do giveaways, and we do fan art, etc. Awesome. That's really cool. Everybody should go check them out. They're really cool. And thank you again, Clara. This has been awesome we really love talking to you and we'd love to have you back on the show that's right just i'm always around somehow <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like an allison mossart song waiting to happen i'm always i'm always around somehow <laughs> all right so uh thank you again to our third woman this week and back to the show thanks claire yeah. all right so thank you so much everybody for joining us that is going to be part one of the going solo show and james i know based on the look on your face right now that Mm -hmm. you're saying to yourself gosh isn't it ironic that the show called going solo is the first episode you ever broke into two parts paul it's like rain on my wedding day (laughs) the irony is palpable ladies and gentlemen. But we couldn't help ourselves. We couldn't help ourselves. There is just so much to get to in this era that we had to make sure that we allowed it the proper space. And I had to make sure, I mean, I got to the editing stage and decided I have way too much. That's right. And, uh, you know, we're not trying to, to be cheap on you guys. Don't be cheap on us, Dodson. Yeah. Dodgson. Dodgson. Uh, nice hat. You're trying to look like a secret agent. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I have Jack White's car stuff on my mind. We're trying to bring all the information to you guys as best as we learn it. So we figure why cut corners and, and chop out some important bits when we can just better apply it to a full episode. Exactly. So what we're going to do is we're going to end on a classic cliffhanger and, um, and pick it back up next week. Same Jack time, same Jack channel with part two of the Going Solo show. But for now, that is all for us. And we want to thank you so much for joining us. James, I know you would agree with me in saying that this has been a wonderful experience and we're having a great time making these shows for everybody. That's right, Paul. Um, (laughs) We've been loving the reception from you guys and uh, we've been really touched by some of the notes we've been receiving. So um, thank you all again. I know it's not the Thanksgiving week special that's already passed, but thank you. And a special thank you from Paul Butterball. (laughs) Mr. Jack White. Now, now call. Now call. I'm gonna gonna, uh, call. Call now. What? Call. I'm gonna let you finish. Call. Uh, But I would just like to say, gobble gobble. 
Turkeys? Bring in the turkeys. More turkeys. <laughs> um, so if you want to get in contact with us, you could tweet at us at, at thirdmencast. On Twitter, yes. Please do that. And hearing from everybody on Twitter has been awesome. If you want to find us on Facebook, we are facebook.com slash thirdmen. Again, don't look up the third men. That's just some guy. So, But you can go on there and find a bunch of photos that we post from the blog posts. And James, uh, where where can they pick up the blog posts? They can pick up the blog posts at thethirdmen.wordpress.com. And that's where we post all the episodes. So if you want to go straight to the horse's mouth, you can want to tumble down with us into the rabbit holes uh you can find us at third men podcast on tumblr you can can search that and and we're on there as well thirdmenpodcast.tumblr.com you can find us on youtube you can search the third men podcast on youtube you can find some some little visualizers i make for every episode feel free to look us up there we're on overcast we're on the google play store we're on itunes feel free to leave us a review on itunes it helps people discover the show and find us uh, it also makes us feel kind of nice, you know? Yeah, yeah, it sure does. Uh, you've been leaving tons of nice comments on there. Uh, you can please rate, review, subscribe, all that stuff. You, we can also be found on Podomatic if for some reason you have a weird grudge against iTunes. And the main thing you can do to help us if you are so inclined and we would very much appreciate it is just if you know a Jack friend or somebody who enjoys Jack White's music, please share the show. Uh, word of mouth is really the best tool we've got to get the show to more people. So the whole point of us doing this is to connect with other fans like ourselves and we've been doing so and very much enjoying it so please yeah let a friend know about the show that's right we're gonna want to give a special shout out to some people who have reached out to us uh, on the facebook group lately uh daniela pinos pinke i hope i'm pronouncing that right daniela thank you so much uh aka candy cane gunner thank you for reaching out and then jim lechulas Jim, Jim Lachulas. You flounder on this one. <laughs> yeah, Jim, Jim Lachulas. I hope I'm not butchering that name. Thank you for sending us a message. If you want to shoot us a message on Facebook, we'd love to hear from you. So thank you as always for that. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, thank oh. you for a third woman of the week, Clara from the Jack White Hub. You were great. Yes, thank you so much, Clara. We appreciated telling you our weird Brendan Benson story. <laughs> uh, uh, that I'm to, sure to, that Paul did not edit into this podcast. <laughs> To Brendan Benson, we apologize. So thank you for not punching us in the face at that show. Next time I'll put my black gadget down. Thank you to Sam Kubert and Tom Valenti for helping of the recording and the production of our theme song, We Are the Third Men. It's awesome. We love it. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Susanna Roundtree, for the intro and outro of our program. You can find her on susanimated.tumblr.com. And catch us back here next week for part two, Big Cliffhanger. I know you're excited, James. I'm excited. And until then, I am going to be looking for a home. I'll be looking for a home. I'll see you next week. Bye. Oh, gross. For more information or to contact the show, visit thethirdmen.wordpress.com or email at thirdmenpodcast at gmail.com. Also visit at thirdmencast on Twitter and search The Third Men on Facebook. See you next time.
you started with Ruth, and I was just like, Ruth Bader Ginsburg? <laughs> His cousin's only 7,000, so that's fine. Um, <laughs> but uh, Lupe? Lupe. Barbara Lupe? Give me a second. <laughs> Two packages. Oh, no, that's uh, that's not the same yeah. song. It's uh, all she thinks about. But that's I'm trying to think nope. of the name nope. of that Nope, wrong song. song. Yeah. <laughs> um... I never remember this stuff. Yeah, I know. I don't either. We should probably just write a list of it. Uh, we should just have a list of it. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Hiya, hiya, hiya. Say, say Fozzie. Where, where does, where would this be placed? All the way at the end. You don't have to go away. You don't have to go away. Just get out of here.